0: Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on?
1: Just getting ready for my uh, relaxing all-star break in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, poolside, it- <laughs> some beaches, some, some drinks with little uh, uh, umbrellas in them. What, what, what is the weather going to be like for you there?
1: It's actually not terrible.
0: All right. that's um,
1: good. Yeah. No snow. It seems like when I get there on Friday, it's like 20s, 30s, and then it warms up through the weekend. Where by Sunday, it's like 50s, 40s, 50s. So yeah, I'll take that for Cleveland at this yeah. time of the year.
0: I mean, I, I'm sure you're excited. It's been a while since you've been able to go to an All-Star game, obviously, because yeah. uh, there was none last year. The do you go with the last one, the last she, year before?
1: Yeah, Chicago when the Heat it feels happened. like a it's long, long in. time ago. And they have the entire roster at the all Oh, game. right.
0: That was that year, yeah, when, when Hero was in the um, Rising Stars, right? And, yeah, and
1: none, yeah. And
0: none, And they had all the guys and the skills. And, yeah. Right. Der- oh. Whether you're Derek won the dunk contest.
1: Derek won the dunk contest. Bam yeah. won the skills challenge. Yeah, that
0: feels, that feels like literally like 10 years ago.
1: That was like a, only a few weeks before everything shut down.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, because it was Pretty basically good. this weekend and then – yeah. Everything shut down a, a month later. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk a little All-Star at the end, uh, a little bit about Spo in particular, uh, getting to coach in the game, getting to in big quotes. Um, I guess let's we'll kind of mostly dive into probably the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Heat trade last week, but but some obviously big ramifications with what happened uh, across the league and how the East hierarchy has maybe changed or has the potential to change. Um Let's start with some basketball though. Uh Heat was on a five game winning streak, lose last night uh to Dallas. And I think we talked about it last week or maybe it was the week before about just kind of the half court offense, the the crunch time offense, some of the struggles they've had there. And it was kind of what reared its head again last night. Uh only ninety nine points for the Heat. Um blew a pretty you know, a sizable lead. Everyone blows leads in the NBA these days, but blew a lead as the offense kind of shut down in the second half. Um Y'all start break going to be good for them? What, what, what are kind of your takeaways from, you know, it, like I said, they there's one five in a row. We happen to be talking the day after a loss, but um, it feels like there's like kind of clearly defined issues that they got to figure out yeah. basically in the next 25 games or whatever is left, uh, which I yeah. think is a pretty good spot to be in.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I know he Twitter likes to overreact after every loss because I every like this is a football town. Uh, but winning five out of six, is all, you'll take that. I think every team will take winning five out of six. So we'll start with that. And the Heat are obviously a very, very good team, one of the best teams in the NBA. But if there's one red flag that continues to stick out, and we've talked about this many times on the podcast through the, throughout the season, it's the half-court offense. It's the late – well, same thing. I mean, late-game offense, half-court offense. You know, late-game offense usually is half-court offense. So, um, And we've seen that really the last two games, even in the win against the Nets over the weekend – they won only by a few points because they blew, right? I think a twenty-plus point lead um, in the fourth quarter, where the offense is, you know, just totally shut down, pretty much. And the second half against the Mavericks, Dallas is a very good defensive team, which is kind of weird to say because I feel like they haven't had a good defense in so long. Yeah, uh, but they're a top-five defensive team. Um, they've really turned it around, and they just mucked up the game and they slowed it down. Um, and the Heat's offense. Um, just could not get anything going They scored 40 points in the second half shot 30 percent from the field one of 14 on threes just couldn't make anything and again it's just a continuation of the half court offense is shaky and that's 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 a concern i mean it has to be a concern when you know that playoff basketball is played in the half court yeah um so again i'm not i'm not you know Alarmed by the loss because losses happen, but I'm just even in the win against Brooklyn. It's just that the offense when the game slows down late, we've seen a few times or more than a few times this year where um, it doesn't look like the usual heat offense, and they just can't find consistent, reliable offense um, when the when it's you know when they're not getting easy buckets in transition, which they really feed off of. Um, they can't you know right. they, it doesn't they, basically the half court is just. they they struggle at times to to find, you know, reliable options there.
0: Yeah. And I I think, again, I think we talked about this last week, but it's it's surprising that it's just surprising that that's what this team's identity has been. Yeah, It's been the exact opposite for a long time when they were not a good transition team. Obviously Kyle Lowry immediately flips things there. Um, But, you know, Jimmy Butler is typically a great half court player. Tyler Hero has been a a really good half court player for most of this year. Um, You know, the, Heat has always found ways to get three-point. You know, it's not like, when you watch the Heat, it doesn't feel like some of these other NBA teams where it's just true pace and space, and they're just getting corner threes in transition. The Heat are pretty good at at drawing up ways to get shots for Duncan Robinson or Max or whoever it might be. Uh, P.J. Tucker is, I guess, kind of the exception there. Again, still leading the league in three-point percentage, uh, pretty much doing it all from the corner. But, you know, the Heat has traditionally found ways to score in the half court. It's a little surprising that it's been the issue so far to me. Um, I think, you know, part of that is probably still just how many games of the the big three kind of played together this year. It's, it's still a really low number. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to figure out ways to, to, I think, score more creatively, do different things offensively. You can, you can see it even on a night to night basis. They're trying different things. They've got different things are still clearly working in. I, Talked about you know we just have not seen Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler play a lot together and they're pretty effective when they uh, when they're out there together running pick and roll and stuff like that. Um, You know, does it you know it's it's maybe the one thing you you missed with Goron because he's such a good he was such a good uh, pick and roll player that that was just that one more extra weapon in the half court and Kyle Lowry has not been uh, that kind of scorer necessarily or, or half court creator that. I think Goran is and, and or at least was we haven't seen him obviously at all this year um now a, a free agent we'll talk about that in a little bit, but you know it kind of feels like they've got a lot of options still some of them obviously are not going as you know if Duncan Robinson was shooting forty three percent or whatever it'd be a totally different story with this half court offense, and you know if he can keep climbing it'll it'll help things there, but you know it does just kind of feel like they're missing they're missing that. Dominant guard, right? Um, Kyle Lowry again has been really good, but he's not, you know, James Harden, right? He's not like he's not a guy who's just going to create off the dribble. And so much of the NBA is still kind of driven by that, either pick and roll or isolation scoring from a from a combo guard. Um, and the Heat still, you know, they we've talked about it a lot. They operate differently. Their two best players are a six nine power forward slash center and a six eight small forward slash power forward who really plays like a point guard. Like, it, it's just a different um, identity. And I, I think, you know, if, if it hurts that they don't have that one dominant scoring guard. But, again, I think they've got enough options, whether or not they're all working right now, to make me feel comfortable that come playoff time they're they're going to be looking a little bit better um, in that aspect of the game.
1: Yeah. So, so you're saying they need Victor Lovipo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, Victor Oladipo <laughs> would help a lot. You know, I, I shouldn't say they're whacking that dominant scoring guard yeah. because obviously Tyga Hero has been that right. for a lot of stretches in the season. But he's still different. You know, he doesn't get to the rim to the same degree that some, you know, some of his uh, peers or, or like would be peers, if you think he's an All Star caliber player, necessarily do. Um, you know, I've been thinking. We obviously I've been thinking more about Goran these days because he's a, a free agent right now. But like, he did give you that. That you know, he was. He's such kind of a polar opposite to Kyle Lowry, where Lowry is, is all about, like, pushing ahead the pace and, you know, finding those, like, little ways to get points. And Goran, obviously, was not really, like, running the fast break. But in the half court, he was pretty reliable if you ran a pick-and-roll with him and were, like, get to the rim. And he's, he was a good finisher. You know, they're it, it, just very different. And, obviously, you've seen the team really kind of follow both identities. I don't think I ne- necessarily thought about how Goran was defi- defining the identity of this team for the last two years until I saw what it looks like with a, 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 you know, polar opposite kind of point guard.
1: Yeah. And and to your point as well, like Tyler Hero, he, you know, he's not a guy who gets the rim a lot or the free throw on a lot, but he is the team's best shot creator. I think that's pretty clear. A hundred percent. And, you know, he he didn't play last night against Dallas. So he really missed that in the half court. I mean, right. I think their half court offense looks a lot different when he's in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the he's, biggest thing is just that we haven't seen the team at full yeah. strength. Not even including, like you, you alluded to, Victor Oladipo. Like, there have just been so few nights where the Heat's five. Yeah. Letters, you know, which obviously, obviously, the three best players have, have not played very much together, but they're five or six best players. Like, have, has there been any game where they've had, like... The big three plus hero plus Duncan Robinson, very few. Tucker, like you can probably very count it few. on one hand. I'd have to look it up, but it's
1: not a lot. Very few, and, and and you know, to be fair, we we are nitpicking here, right? I mean, right? Yeah, that's the, the point. They here doing so so much well, and it's not like their half court offense is the twenty eighth best in the NBA. Yeah. Like they're, I think they're twelfth most efficient in the half court, which again you want it to be in the top ten, ideally, but they're right there. You know, if they get healthy and. They find you know they, they click for a few games. They could just crack they crack that top ten pretty easily. So, it is one area that you know you go into the all break. You say okay, we got to find you look at the late game package, find ways to execute better. You know when the game slows down, um, but it, it's not a huge red flag because like you said, I think they have the personnel to do it. Just for some reason, and yeah, maybe because of injuries, of they it. haven't they have
0: done the it. record of doing it. That's yeah. what they used to be good at. Was right scoring in the half court, and, you know, it's, again, just, I I think the biggest thing is just how little the the top six rotation guys have played together. That's that's probably number one on the list. Um, But, again, it really is kind of the one thing. Like, there's not a lot of other, you know, you obviously can look at specific stats, like, very specific stats, and be like, all right, they are ranked pretty low in this. But in terms of, like, big picture things, it's really only, it's really, like you said, the one kind of thing they have to worry about.
1: Um, and, and, the, and 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 to, we should note the defense when the game slows down is elite. They're fifth right. best half court defense. So that's yeah, the other the, end of it. The heat they are probably
0: still going to win you know, they, like I said they scored yeah. ninety nine last night, which is not a lot in the NBA these days, but they're probably gonna win some playoff games where they're scoring one oh three or whatever. Like that's 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 kind of what's gonna kind of ultimately come down to for this team. But that's why it's important to get that half court thing going because as much as much as you like to get out and get those free points, once the pace speeds up, it does not necessarily play to this team's greatest strength, which is its defense.
1: Yeah, definitely. Totally agree.
0: There's also just that extra urgency, obviously, that I think has, yeah, you know, I'm sure that he, you know, they're not, they're not panic or anything. And obviously, I, I don't even know if urgency would be the right word, but, like, the East got a lot better last week, I think, undoubtedly. Obviously, Ben Simmons, who is not playing and is a – you know, borderline all-star, all-NBA talent is now playing in the league, in the the conference again. That that boosts just the overall talent level. Um, Brooklyn is maybe worse than they were. You know, I, I still think if they had had those, those three guys, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden all playing together, they are still, you know, it's the most talented roster, or at least big, you know, starting lineup probably in the league. Um, but obviously James Harden was moping and whatever. Um, anyway, so Brooklyn gets – overall, it's, their ceiling is, is is worse, but their floor is much higher after their trade with the Sixers uh, last week. And obviously the Sixers are just a way better team today than they were uh, this time last week before they traded Ben Simmons and Seth Curry and some other stuff for James Harden. Um, You know, I still think right now it's, you know, if you, like, just what are the safest bets to get out of the East, it's still going to be the the Heat and the Bucks because we have seen it. And obviously we need to see how James Harden fits with the Sixers and and Ben Simmons fits with the Nets and what's going to happen with Kyrie and the vaccine mandates in New York. Um, But I I think the East, whereas a week ago I would have, like, thought Philly had no chance really to get out of the East just with. Joel Embiid and pieces around him, and I would have felt less good about the Nets because of all the drama there, and there's still a lot of drama, obviously. Now there, it feels like we are in a position where it's going to really be a four-team race. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe one of these teams will not quite live up to what we expect, but I think it really went from being a clear top two with, like, some wild card factors thrown in to being a, a wide-open race, and that just makes that margin... Of error that much slimmer for the Heat.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, I think Philly and Brooklyn are better than they were before the deadline. Um, I mean it's pretty obvious because yeah. <laughs> Ben Simmons wasn't even playing, so you replace a guy who wasn't playing with James Harden, you're going to be better. I'm intrigued to see what that fit is like. Um, because you know obviously the two of the best players in the NBA, two of the best offensive players in the NBA, two ball dominant players as well. Um, you know we've seen it before where you think it's gonna work and it and it doesn't. Um, I think they'll find a way to make it work because they're both so talented. But I'm just intrigued to see what that fit is like. But yes, I do think Philly now their upside, their ceiling is they can win the East. Um, with Harden in there, and then the Nets. Yeah, I mean we don't know when Ben Simmons is gonna play. We haven't seen him play in a while. He obviously has his weaknesses. I think the, there is a fit there because, um, he's another big guard. I mean they're gonna have a big lineup now we talk yeah. about a front court and then, or they could play really small and have either Ben or Kevin Durant as the center. I mean, they, they have so many different lineups they could turn to now. And, you know, Ben is, you know, with, with what he does well defensively, he can help them on that end as, you know, make them more of a complete team. But the net, it's not even about just Ben Simmons. It's whenever they get Kevin Durant back, Right, well, that's, that's the
0: whole thing with turning to
1: a contender. So, like I said, there
0: I said there was a two-team race, but then the I, I always had the Nets as like if they get in and you know they probably and and two of their three guys, whether it was James Harden and Kevin Durant, or now now it basically has to be I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Um, they were going to be a contender just because Kevin Durant is he and he and Giannis and maybe Jokic or. Kind of in a tier of their own as guys who just like will single handedly make you yeah,
1: uh, a contender for sure, for sure. And then I mean the East is just loaded. I mean you know we talk about it maybe being a four team race with the Heat, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Nets. But I mean Boston has won nine in a row.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, I think it's a four team race in terms of teams that can get out of the East. But that doesn't mean that the Celt, you know the Celtics is the five seed or whatever they wind up being can't knock off the four seed. Uh, Sixers, like, you know, there, there's other teams in there. Every, the yeah. first round is going to be really competitive.
1: The Bulls, I mean, they have the same record as the Heat right now. Right. Tied for first, yeah. You know, the, the Heat are ahead by a tiebreaker, but the Bulls, I, know, I know, you know not many people really truly believe that they're a real title contender, but, I mean, you, you don't want to face them, obviously, in the playoffs. Um, Cleveland, with their length, seems like a bad matchup for the Heat. They're in fourth place. I mean, you look at the – there's seven legit teams in the East that you probably do not – like, or at least for the Heat, there's six teams that you really do not want to face. Yeah. and I think the, the race for to the, the top race. two
0: seeds is going to be pretty important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who, again, it's like, well, Brooklyn, where is Brooklyn right now? Are they eighth right now? Brooklyn is, is
1: eighth. eighth. Toronto, yeah. uh, Toronto is, an, and I'm not even including them in that group, but they're another tough matchup for the Heat. They're in seventh. And then it's Boston, f- sixth, Philly, fifth, Cleveland, four, Milwaukee, three, the Bulls, two, and the Heat, one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean – yeah, there's there's seven. You know, the ones. You know, I, I think whatever the last team to get in, that's probably going to be an okay matchup. Um, but you know, the the difference. Let's, let's assume that the the four teams we have talked about wind up as the top four, which is a big assumption because the Nets have a long climb to get back there. Um, and the Bulls, like you said, are obviously tied with the Heat. Um, you know, then you throw in Chicago. Boston is five and six. Like, you you definitely don't want to play those guys in Cleveland seven maybe, but then obviously they're playing in the play-in or um, in Toronto. You know, it it feels like there's a pretty clear top eight and kind of obviously tiers within there. Um, But, you know, getting the one – it's hard to play the matchup scheme because we don't know where Brooklyn's going to wind up, but, like, it does feel like getting one of those top – Seeds is going to be pretty important to avoid that kind of grueling first-round matchup, especially because whatever team you get if you're a top two seed is coming out of the playing tournament and has already uh, expended a lot of energy in some at least one kind of must-win game, potentially.
1: Yeah, I I don't remember an Eastern Conference this stacked, like, as far as just the depth of teams that, I mean, there's you could say four or five teams, you would not be surprised to get out of the conference right now. And that's, you don't (laughs) really say that too often. Or usually that's reserved for the Western Conference in prior years. That's the East right now. So, yes, the Heat are number one. Um, They're like a three-game losing streak away from falling (laughs) to number five. So, things are still very fluid. And um, it is going to be a tough road in the playoffs, no matter where they fall. I mean, yeah, if they get the one seed, they might, you know, they'll probably have... A pretty favorable matchup, but after that, um, if they're number two or number three, you could find yourself facing James Harden and yeah. want Beat in the first round. So yeah. um, it's going to be a tough road for sure.
0: Give me your uh, your East hierarchy of those. I think we all. Do you agree on the top four? Like, uh, yeah, I yeah. yeah I do. Your, what, how would you How would you rank those teams right now? Knowing that it's like an impossible task to do because yeah. you just don't know what these Sixers Nets teams are going to look like. Just – let's, let's say in terms of confidence they get out. Like if you just like had to put odds on it, who would you kind of say are the safest – combination of like safest bets, best chance, that kind of thing. I think
1: the Bucks and the Heat are the safest bets because yeah, so. we know what I think I'd probably
0: put Milwaukee one just because of Giannis.
1: Yes, I, I agree. I think I'd put Milwaukee one, i put the Heat two. I probably put the Nets three just because of Kevin Durant. Kevin
0: Durant. Yeah, I think the I'm Nets on that really the same plane as you. And, uh, you know, it's possible if the Nets, like we said, get healthy and like – I would not be surprised if they get like insanely hot down the stretch and all of a sudden they're like the favorite to get out of the East. I still think, you know, up until pretty close to when this trade happened, they were the betting favorite to get out of the Eastern Conference. um, Which is obviously, you know, that's just a lot of like people betting on the big names and not actually how good the team is. But it's just a reminder of how good that group of superstars they have is uh, up in New York.
1: I, I, I do think the Celtics are for real. I really do. Yeah.
0: I haven't watched him a lot during this, like, run where they've gotten hot. But I, I'm, you know, I've, I've always kind of been a Jason Tatum hater. Um, he's like a rich man's Rudy Gay is what I would used to call him. He's obviously better than that. But, um, you know, when you got him, who's like a legit, you know, one of the five or six best scorers in the league probably, right? Like, just in terms of, like, can get – make tough shots, get to the rim, all that kind of thing. Um no, maybe five or six is a little high, but whatever. You know what I mean. He's he's yeah. one of the ten or so best like wing guys, and, and that's what you need. Um, I don't know about the supporting cast. Like, I just trust like the Heat supporting cast more than net the the Bucks infrastructure. I, I I think they're probably fifth right now. Again, I haven't watched them a lot during this stretch, but well, I don't know. What do you like about them?
1: There's their, I mean, a I think they have a talent. I mean, are think top end talent with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But their defense is just incredible. I mean, they have the second best defense in the NBA right now, and they've had a top defense during this like last month or two when they've started winning. Um, so I, I just think their defense is special. Um, I think the way they, the style they play, translates to the playoffs. They switch a lot and are very versatile. We've seen it against the Heat fits. Um, so I, I just think their defense is you. W- you don't want to face a, that type of defense in, in the playoffs, especially in, in one of the first two rounds. And that's probably what one of these East contenders are going to have to do at this point. Um, so I just would not be surprised if they upset, you know, one of those top teams um, early on just because of how good they are on the end of the court. Plus, you know, if you need to play a half-court style game and you have Jason Tatum, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Um, so I, I like the Celtics. I think they, you know, I'm not saying, again, I don't put them up there with the top four teams, but I would not be surprised if, if they upset one of those one of those teams. And I think we're not giving enough respect to the Bulls, honestly. Yeah,
0: I mean, we haven't even met, we barely yeah. mentioned them, but obviously they've been fantastic all year. It's just yeah. they have, out of all these teams, they have proven the least in the playoffs, which is... True. You know, it's kind of the same thing with the Grizzlies, right? Like if you... And it's kind of irrelevant to what we're talking about, but the Grizzlies have been the third best team in the league this year. But it's like, does anyone think they're on the same tier as the Warriors and the Suns? I don't think there's a lot. Just because they haven't done it in the playoffs, and that's ultimately what uh, guys get judged on. But again, like teams ascend quicker than you expect. That happens not all the time, but you know the the Warriors did it uh, when they won the championship. Kind of like their first year, they were one of the best teams in the league. They get all the way, so like it, it wouldn't be surprising if one of those teams gets to the playoffs. And all these, you know, they continue to look like we've seen in the regular season.
1: Cleveland too. I mean, Cleveland. Uh, they're just so young, right? and We've right. seen them yeah. struggle for so long, but they have a they have a really fun young team as well. But the Western Conference, really quick. I mean, um, I know Golden State's very good. And they have Steph Curry. You can't rule them out. But Phoenix, I, it just feels like it's it's going to be them, right? I mean, they're just so, yeah. I mean, they're like clear cut the best so team in the NBA
0: right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, those, those are though. I think on a tier, kind of of their own. And and the Suns are clearly the best. But again, it's just like. It's that thing, like you trust the Warriors, right? Like the way you trust the Bucks, right? Yeah. Even even if they have their hiccups here and there, you you know they've they've got that championship pedigree, goes a long way.
1: Yeah, I just yeah, I just it's not the same type of race in the West to me. It's like very clear that Phoenix is one, you know, Golden State's two, right. yeah, yeah. and everyone else is kind of a tier below. Even even though Memphis is very good, but you just feel like it's going to be Phoenix and Golden State at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah the East is is a bloodbath.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, so the Heat, for the most part, kind of stood pat at the deadline, um, but knowing that there are a lot of moving pieces still out there, um, particularly, well, one is within the roster itself. Let's start there. Victor Oladipo uh, really ramping up toward a return, uh, it seems like, headed out to Sioux Falls. Uh, while, while you'll be in Cleveland, he'll be in beautiful Sioux Falls um, practicing with the Sky Force uh, not gonna play in any games, but just get get to keep getting that work. What what's the latest? When are you expecting him to suit up for a real game?
1: he gave us this news and they immediately said do not read too much into this. They they're really trying to downplay it, the old Yeah. Um but you can't help but think this is a big step, right? Um it's his first five on five work since the surgery. Um, So this is obviously a huge step for him. It doesn't mean he'll be back immediately after the break. I think that's, like, my first thought was, like, oh, this means that after the break, when he returns to practice next week on Wednesday or Thursday, and they resume their schedule on Friday in New York, maybe he's back. Maybe he's playing, you know? Um, But I don't know if that'll be the case. But I do think he's close, right? I mean, he has to be, like, a few weeks away. And we've said it here since before the season. The target, like, time where he would return would is, is March and it seems like either he's gonna return a few days before March or he's he'll be back in March. So I think he's right on track. I think he's on target. And you know this is good news for the Heat because like you said, I you know, this is a deep team and they won a lot without Victor. And there's gonna be some tough rotation decisions when he does come back because they have a pretty set nine man rotation right now when everyone's healthy. Um, but I do think he 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 lifts this team ceiling um, to another level. If he could, you know, be a spark off the bench and be another two way reliable, you know, two way player that they could turn to uh, late in games against you know so many good teams they're going to face in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious to see what it's going to look like when they're trying to like work him back in. Like like you said, they've got this such. It kind honestly reminds me of the team that plays uh uh, Thirty miles northwest in in Sunrise, where the Panthers, it's like they've got you know most hockey teams. You you play four lines of forwards, and they have five legit lines, and it's like this struggle of like, all right, who's in one night, who's out? Like, when do you give a guy a day off here and there? Um, Victor Oladipo, obviously, they're going to like take it slow with him, Um but you know, I, I'm curious. I'm really. I wonder what Spo and he might not have even really started thinking too much about this because it's still a couple of weeks out, and you never know what like the injury situation is going to be, so don't get too far ahead of yourself. But I really am curious what he envisions Victor's role, um, like day one, week two, like just the kind of bench, where, where he sees it progressing for him, where, it's, where he sees it starting for him and where he sees it progressing from, Where he sees it finishing for him I think will be strictly determined on how good he looks. But I, I really have no idea, like, what it's going to look like when he gets back on the court. Like, is his first game, is he going to play 10 minutes? Is he going to play what 5 yeah. minutes? Like, I, I have no idea what it's going to look like.
1: Do you think there'll come a point, that, you know, in the playoffs where he's a consistent part of, I know, and this is, I know, based on what he looks like. We don't know yeah, what he's going to look entire, like. In the back. But. Like, that's
0: the thing. It's going to be strictly, deba- strictly dependent, I think, on how good he is, right? Like, yeah. there's a chance he comes back and he's just, slow and timid or what? you know, like, again, he's barely played any basketball in, like, three years. Like, it's just really impossible to know what he's going to look like. But yeah. I don't know, like, I, I where, where do you think the ceiling he can get to? Is, like, 20 minutes a game? Could he give you yeah. that?
1: I think ideally he's a guy you could play off the bench. Is that about what the range
0: him? would be? Yeah, I think, that's probably, I think that's probably what I think the possibility is for him. About 20 minutes a game, eighth in the rotation, seventh in the rotation, something like that.
1: Um I, I do think that I just think we've talked so much about late in games and I don't know what spot he takes because yeah. you, know, you know Jimmy, Bam and Kyle are gonna be on the court late in games and you would think PJ would be on the court as well most times. Mm-hmm. And then Tyler, you know, is obviously has been a fixture in the fourth quarter fourth quarter lineups his whole career with the Heat. Um, so I don't know who you know. Maybe he plays instead of Tyler in some games, but I just think Victor, with his ability, if he's healthy, and effective when he comes back, to not be a liability on the defensive end, while also being a competent offensive player who can create for himself off the dribble and make threes. I think that he could really help this team late in those in those like late game situations. Um, you need as many two way players as you can in the you know late in games, and Victor is that when he's right. Um, so I to me that's his role like he's not going to play big minutes but i think he could be important to kind of helping provide an answer to this these this team's struggles um, in the fourth quarter and in half court you know sets
0: yeah he's going to have to i think the question is just how do you ramp him up to that right like i think yeah. he is so optimistic right that he can be that kind of player um, i think the question is is he going to be that kind of player this year or is it going to take until Next postseason for like that time of year for him to get back to where he is. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's just like it. Like I said, I, I'm sure Spo is thinking about how he's going to use him. But I think the other thing, like I said, you just can't get too far ahead of yourself with it because it possibly comes back. And it's just like, all right, he's not going to be a factor, Um, which he's for the team is fine. Sure. It's like a great luxury to have uh, because he would, like you said, help, I think really help potentially the half-court offense, and like you said, not be a liability on defense. I don't see him necessarily ever closing games unless he's like, I don't know, unless he looks like Victor Oladipo again. But like you said, I think he's going to give him important minutes. Kind of no matter what. It's just what's that range going to be. Is he going to be the like ninth guy in the playoff rotation and give you seven minutes a game, or is he going to be able to ramp his way all the way back up to 15, 20, and, and be a, a really, like, foundational part of rotation where he has the ball in his hands a lot, where he is driving offense. I think I think his defensive ability, as long as he's not really slow, like that's going to be there. I, I think the the question with his ceiling right now is probably going to be, can he drive offense for you, which is obviously what he did for so much of his career um, in Indiana.
1: Yeah. So along with late game offense and trying to find the answers to that, kind of figure out what you have in Victor Depot will also be a major part of the Heat's remaining schedule yes. when they return from the break.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much, because, again, like one of the problems with one of the few team's few flaws is that they've not had their full complement of players available at one time basically at all. And you know they want to get a lot of looks with, like, simulating what a – first of all, one, you know, it's going to be important to chase, I think, a high seed. But number two, like, you got to just, like – you're going to have to play your guys because you need to see what you have. You need to try out different things. But then at the same time, like, there's going to be that juggling act of, like, This team is obviously going to make the playoffs at some point. I would think they're going to be in pretty good position to get a top four seed. Um, And the question is going to be, how do you like, when do you give Kyle Lowry, how much time is Kyle Lowry getting off to keep him managed? And those are going to be chances to get obviously Victor Oladipo into a bigger role on some of those nights where guys will be out because of rest or whatever injury they make up or uh, over-exaggerate to let guys get nights off. Because that's going to happen, obviously, um, in the last couple of months of this season.
1: Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting um, to your, like, your earlier point. Spo yesterday after the game against Dallas, he said, I'm glad that they're like, basically referring to kind of like, playing against Dallas's defense because they need, like you said, they need to simulate those type of situations where right. they're going up against an elite defense who can slow the game down. How is the offense going to, counter that and you know those that's kind of what the regular season is for at this point for a team like the heat where they know they're gonna be a playoff team obviously they want to be a top seed but they want to get as many reps as possible in those type of situations so um you could tell after the game that you know Eric Bush wasn't happy for the loss but he was kind of happy that the team had that experience um because you know usually you know they can draw from that and and you know hopefully improve um you know where they where they struggled
0: uh before we wrap up with Spo, um obviously a big topic of conversation as we've alluded to a couple of times is uh Goran Dragic yeah. uh, being a free agent right now. Do you the Heat's name has actually not been like connected to him a lot since he has been bought out, um, at least by like Woach and like the national reporters. Uh do you think there's a chance that they
1: sign him? I wouldn't rule it out because Goran is, like loves Miami, obviously. He's been but, down yeah, here. Yeah, I'm sure he was one to Miami. Yeah, yeah, we've seen him down here. Um, at He comes almost at every Heat home game. Um, he obviously loves the Heat and still has a good relationship with most of the guys in the roster and most of the people in the front office and most of the PR staff. Like, he's just he, – Goran is a good guy. He has a lot of friends within the, in the organization. But, you know, from what I've – from my reporting um, as of yesterday – the Heat had not yet reached out to his people to express interest. It doesn't mean the Heat aren't, aren't interested, but it is kind of a sign of maybe, you know, it's just the fit right now is questionable, right? Uh, you, you could see how he, how Goran could help the Lakers. You could see how Goran could help the Bucks. You could see how Goran could help even Dallas or Golden State. But where is he going to play with the Heat? I mean, it's yeah. like we talked talking about Victor. Like, we don't even know where Victor is going to play. I mean, Gabe Vincent, we're not even considering him, even though he's having a great season off the bench and he's probably out of the rotation when Tyler comes back and the, and the roster's healthy. So you're playing Goran ahead of Gabe Vincent? I know that sounds like a crazy question a year ago, but, I mean, that's a real legitimate question right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: played all year. It's hard yeah. to know.
1: So I don't know. Like, you know, does in a perfect world, I'm sure he would come back to the Heat, but does Goran want to not, like, just be kind of an insurance player and if there's an injury, then he plays? And do the Heat want to not waste a roster spot but use their open only open roster spot on a guard? Where they already have a lot of guards, um, and they need forwards. Because if PJ gets hurt, they really have no other power forward behind them. So I, I just don't know the fit. Again, I wouldn't rule it out because of the connection between the two parties, but I, I don't think the fit is is right right now. Doesn't mean Goran can't come back next year. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Um, but right now, this moment, I just don't see it.
0: So you still think it's more likely they go for like that power forward type of guy that we were talking about last year last week? A lot of those guys obviously doesn't seem like are available. You know, Serge Ibaka is a guy we talked about obviously just got traded, um, but you still think that's the more likely direction they go on this, for, for that last roster spot?
1: I mean, again, ideally, yes, but there really aren't any available.
0: Yeah, are there any names you're even here? A lot of those guys who I think we thought were going to be buyout guys just wound up yeah. being trade targets, which is kind of
1: surprising. Right. I mean, yeah, like Serge Ibaka, you know, got traded. Um, yep. Thaddeus Young was traded. I mean, those are two guys yep. that would have obviously helped the heat. Paul Millsap got traded. I've read that there's still some thought that he could get bought out by Philly. Um, So Paul Millsap is a name, although at this point in his career, I don't know how much he helps. I mean, I guess he provides depth just in case. Um, Mm -hmm. Other than that, I mean, you're not signing Edis Cantor. Defensively, you can't play him in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's not. He's He's not not even a forward. Yeah. Yeah. He's a center. He's a center. He's he's on white side. (laughs) Tristan
1: Thompson could get bought out. He's a center as well at this point. Mike Muscala is a kind of basically a center to I, I just Good so shooter, maybe that's maybe that's why the Heat end up signing Goran because they're like, eh, there's right. no one else out here anyway, so <laughs> might as well. Or maybe they sign Haywood Highsmith, who they just signed to a ten-day for the rest of the season as just depth, just yeah. in case, right? I mean, he can make threes. We've seen it. He's obviously very young and not really an a proven NBA player, but maybe that's the route they go because I, I don't know if there's anybody really. Uh, right now that we think would be available that could help them, you know, at the power forward spot.
0: I'm sure they can pluck someone out of the G League somewhere and turn them into a, uh, like, 8-8 eight and eight player if they really need to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, if, if any team could do it, it's the Heat.
0: All right. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, um, All-Star Game obviously coming up this week. Butler going to represent the Heat on the court. Eric Spolster will be there representing the Heat on the bench. Only the second time he's coaching the All-Star game. Obviously, it's not like a thing that gets voted on. It's strictly based on standings. Um, but good time uh, for you uh, to write about Eric Spolster, as you will be this weekend. I don't think that's, that story probably won't be up by the time a lot of people are listening to this, unless you're listening to this a couple of days late. Um what you use it basically. As, I'll try not to spoil it too much. But you're using it basically as a, a chance for Eric Spolstra Appreciation Weekend. It sounds like um, never has been a coach of the year, but one of the 15 best coaches in NBA history, according <laughs> to that thing that last week. Uh, only a second time in, his, in the All Star game, as I said. Um, what have without spoiling too much? You want to tease your story? Like what, what's kind of the gist of it? What what's I'm not what's good at takeaways. I'm
1: not good at that. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, a quick synopsis, I guess. Okay. That's, that's the best I could do at this point. <laughs> what, people but, saying?
0: What, what are people saying about Spo these days?
1: I mean, just that he's finally getting the recognition he deserves. Like, nobody's surprised by the success he's had in recent years. Right. Um, but I think, you know, if, by having LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch, people just say, oh, well, anybody could win with those guys, right? So he didn't get enough credit for that. But now with what he's done, you know, they look at the bubble and then making the finals and. You know, getting to the, getting really one win away from the Eastern Conference Finals in 2016, and this year having the best record in the East, despite you know not many people think that he would have the most talented roster in the East, but they still have the best record and you know everything they've overcome. Um, he's finally getting the credit they deserve, and I think people are just happy that he is because they've known this for a long time. Um, you you mean Coach of the Year? He's not a you know there will be a, he'll have it'll be a tough race. Like he's not definitely gonna win the award. He might yeah, not I have in
0: Vegas insider dot com he's fifth in yeah, odds right now. Monty Williams, JB Bickerstaff, Billy Donovan, Taylor Jenkins, and then Spo.
1: He's so in the conversation, right? And he's yeah. the team USA stuff with with him being an assistant on Steve Kerr's staff and, you know, possibly maybe in a couple years, maybe being the head coach for Team USA. Yeah. Him making the list of the fifteen greatest coaches, um, which we talked about last week. I mean that shows you right there how elite he is so He's finally getting the recognition he deserves. I think it's funny that he hates the recognition. Like he's yeah. he was asked about making that list and he said I think his quote was, I'm pretty awkward. This makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so, I mean that's just who he is. Um he he just does not like talking about himself. So naturally, this entire story I'm writing does not have one spoke quote in it because <laughs> he he turned down the interview. He does not want to discuss himself. But I got many people who discuss him for for him, so on his behalf. So um, yeah, just keep an eye. Out. I think it'll be a good story, um, kind of take you inside of a how Spoh's done it this season, you know, with all the guys missing so many games, and B, just his growth as a coach over the years, and as not just and knows, but managing people. I think that's something that people don't realize uh, with him. He's a really good manager of people, um, and he's adapted a lot over the years. But I think is one of his strengths. He's really evolved. Um, not into a player's coach, um, but into more of a player's coach than he was early on.
0: Yeah, I think Coach of the Year is coming for him at some point.
1: Um, feels Good like thing. this going to be like the, you know,
0: it feels like there's kind of too many other stories this year where going to be like the Suns run through the West and it's Monte Williams or Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies massively overachieving uh, or exceeding expectations and he gets that, like, uh, that nod that, that typically goes to guys to, who do that. It, it, that's a lot of times a Coach of the Year goes for. But, um, I don't know. You can go to do a world where the heat gets like red hot down the stretch, gets the one seed in the East. Maybe the Suns falter a little bit. Maybe a Grizz falter. And, and there, there's still a path, I think, for him to expect it. But it's going to come at some point because everyone gets that career recognition. It'll be like when Martin Scorsese got, uh, got it for, for the departed.
1: Good movie. Yeah.
0: Maybe not his best movie. we will get it for a good season. Maybe not his best season. Uh, which, yeah. Do you feel like this is his best season?
1: Um, I think it's up there for sure. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. What The bubble overall as a season, probably, you know, maybe this is better. But what he did in the bubble to me was incredible. Yeah. And again, obviously it was a lot of, you know, Goran and Jimmy and Bam played very well and Jay Crowder. So they deserve a lot of the credit. But the way Eric Spolcher navigated this, that whole unique situation, and got the most out of that team and made it to the finals and was two wins away from winning a championship with I don't think many people thought they would even get to the conference finals that year. Yeah. Um, to me, that was his best kind of run as a coach. But as an overall season, I, I do think this is probably his best up to this point. I mean, how many times have the, team, have the Heat won the East in the regular season? Yeah. Um, even with the big three teams, I, I think they were – Maybe they would had the best record in the East maybe once during that run. I, I think the Pacers um and the Celtics might have finished ahead of them in some of those years. I'm not sure. But I, I don't think they won the East every you know, each of those four years. So um just the fact of what you know where they are in the standings, um, with the based on the preseason expectations, um I think and everything they've had to overcome, I think this is probably his best season as a whole.
0: Yeah. I think it's probably this one, the bubble one or um, I don't know. Honestly, they finished second in the East, the second big three year. But the fact that like that felt like it really could have fallen apart. And
1: yeah,
0: he, uh you know he turned them into the premier like team of the next couple years there. Um, and we've seen how many coaches could not handle the LeBron thing. And obviously, spoke it's a lot. Like you said, he, there's a lot of like, oh, he won with LeBron, but like a lot of coaches win with LeBron and then don't do anything else. And
1: yeah. Um, and, and don't sleep he, on the yeah, 30 he's and 11. The best,
0: he's clearly the best coach LeBron ever had. which For sure. No doubt. I don't there's any, so. any doubt about that now.
1: And, and don't sleep on 30 and 11 in 16 17 That was magic with what <laughs> he did with that team. Start <laughs> yeah. 11 and 30 and then finish 30 and 11 and finish like basically a tiebreaker away from the playoffs with a roster that was just a bunch of journeymen. Um, and Goran yeah. Dragic basically. And it's on Whiteside, I guess. But, yeah, that that was – that that's up there, honestly. That belongs on the list to, to do that in the second half of the year and have that turnaround. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, let's finish up there. You can follow uh, Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Look out for his SPO story. Coming this weekend, he will be up in Cleveland covering the All-Star game. Um, got anything you're looking forward to up there?
1: Oh, uh, the weather. Yeah, the weather. I'm yeah, really looking yeah. forward to it. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I mean, it's just – all-Star Weekend is fun. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's very busy. There's always a. It feels like there's always something going on, even like when there's not. Like there's like some event yeah. in the afternoon. They have to be at yeah, or whatever. Got but a shoe
0: promoting. Exactly. Yeah.
1: There's always something. Um, but it's just fun to go and kind of be around pretty much everyone. all everyone in the everyone kind of involved in the NBA is there, right, in one place. Um, so I'm just looking forward to connecting with people, and yeah, and kind of seeing. I think again, I think it's gonna be. Espo appreciation weekend. Obviously, he's not the star of the weekend, but I think he'll get a lot of recognition and a lot of attention um, just by being one of the coaches there. And I think it'll be cool for his staff as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think that whole experience will be cool. And then Jimmy Butler, yeah, you know, Jimmy's an all-star. I'm sure he'd he rather be on a beach somewhere, um, but that'll, you know, that'll be cool, too, to see him kind of try to, try to act like he enjoys um, doing those media, <laughs> doing those media yeah. rounds on, on Saturday. It's always fun. Yeah.
0: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at db wilson two. I uh, wrote a big profile of New Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel. Uh, so check that out if you're interested. That was the a good Dolphins.
1: read. That was a good Thanks. read.
0: Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, other than that, just kind of bouncing around all over the place like usual. Panthers are back, so uh, they they play tonight. So uh, after a two week break, uh, we, we got two good teams playing again. Although I guess the Heat are about to go on a little break, but uh, just in time for the Heat to go on a break. The Panthers, the the best team in the Eastern Conference of their league are, are back in action too. So uh good times to be a, a, a South Florida sports fan, certainly. Uh Miami basketball rolling obviously. Um the winter has been good like I think we thought it would be.
1: Yeah. And then we'll see in the fall with all the new faces all the new changes, we'll see if that brings us brings South Florida some better luck. Exactly. But probably not, basically. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Uh thanks everyone as always for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.